Identical Cousins 5, Autumn Changes. Mr. Simmons. Cousin Michael. How are you, sir? Well, you know, I think you and I are in the exact same boat in that we're both worried about um, family and friends all in the path of this monster hurricane. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, my, my entire family lives in South Jersey, Philadelphia, Wilmington, Cecil County. You know, it, they're, all, they're all getting hit really, really same bad. Here. Yeah. Same here. Everyone, I mean, when when I moved to the West Coast like you, everyone that I know is back in the East Coast. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, lots of people there. Definitely worried. The latest update I saw is, uh, it's, it's right now it's 110 miles from Atlantic City, and we're recording this live on uh, October 29th yep. at 2.22 p.m. Pacific. Um, and they're saying that uh, landfall in New Jersey will be expected tonight. Top winds 90 miles an hour. Jeez. Yeah, it's going to be, I think this is actually going to be a big one. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and, and, you know, every single remote spot on CNN is like not only a place I know, but often a place I love. And, yes, you yes. Know, it just, yeah, just worries the hell out of me. Yeah, um, it's definitely, it, 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 this is a worrisome one too, because I know they like to hype it up. And obviously, you know this from being from the East Coast. There's sure. a lot of, every time there's a hurricane, oh, the sky's falling, the sky's falling, right? Yeah. But there's something different about like especially when you know we had major ones that actually struck right yeah there's just there's something different about this one in terms of the warnings it's not like hype warnings it's like you know get out or die warnings yeah this isn't like oh yeah you should evacuate i think there's just i can feel the difference in this one yeah i think so too um yeah and it's you know given that it's so late in the season that it's connecting with some damn snowstorm in the appalachians or whatever it's like wow just crazy yeah, well, like, do you remember back, I, I, I'm trying to find the year quick. I want to say, here it is, 1992. Remember Hurricane Andrew? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so, like, that was one that I remember, like, it just, at first it was like, oh, yeah, you know, hurricane's coming, and then you could just, you can see that the increase of warnings gets stronger, and this one's just like, I haven't seen this many people be so warning about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, our thoughts and prayers definitely out to our family, loved ones, everyone mm-hmm. on the East Coast, and uh, even the people, obviously, I'm sure you heard about Haiti, there's already been deaths, so... Uh, God, like that country needs any more bad things to happen to it. I know, Jeez. Haiti is just like yeah. horrible, yeah. feeling bad. So, yeah, it's it, our definitely our thoughts and prayers and love. So if we're having a little bit of more of a somber mood today, um, yeah. Yep. That's why. So um, let's let's get into the quick topic of news. Although the news is actually the topic of our show this week. Well, yeah, so, this this showed up just seconds before we started recording. Um, yeah, Apple announces changes to increase collaboration across hardware, software, and services. Is the name of the press release. But what it comes down to is Forstall is leaving next year, and um, John Browett is leaving Apple. He was the and that's effective immediately. Yeah, it sounds like. Um, so he was canned. <laughs> we'll talk about we were we were before the show. We were originally going to talk about products, uh, which we might talk about later if we have a little bit of time. But I doubt it. But um, then this came through, and I'm actually very pleased about the Broward announcement. I mean, I, I'd even say I'm pleased about the Forstall announcement. But the Broward announcement was one where um, that clearly was a cultural difference and someone who came in to change things in the wrong way. Now that being said. It's a big corporation, and we don't know what the edicts are. It could have been, hey, let's go in this direction and see what happens, and he could have been a fall boy. Yeah, quite possibly. 
I find so, that yeah. somewhat less likely, though. I, you know, it seems like, seems to me like straightforwardly, he was a bad hire and made some bad choices. And of course, they gave him, you know, the the rope and the leverage to do what he wanted to do. But uh, true, it just, it was just bad. Well, I do know that he came from a UK place called Dixon's, which was like a low end type, you know, store. Uh, I I, I want to say it's almost like a J.C. Penny, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic because, of course, Ron Johnson went to J.C. Penny, but. Um, you'll read some stories about Browett that are like, oh, he was an amazing CEO. He would come in and he did this and he's, you know, so you hear those and that's like, cool. That's, that's kind of a good guy. But you bring someone in who doesn't really have electronic consumer electronic experience. And that's, I don't know, like the person in this role needs to be someone who understands this medium, this genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I think he was a bad hire, but I don't know, like some of the stories I've read about him did say that he was a pretty good guy. So usually if those are out there, I mean, you got to, you know, you got to listen. Like just like where there's smoke, there's fire, where there's also compliments, there's truth, right? Yeah, usually. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually. But on, on, on the overall point of this, I do think it's definitely a good thing they got rid of him, especially all the negative press that his decisions made. I would suspect that the decision to get rid of him was made a little while oh, yeah. ago. And oh, yeah. they're just oh, announcing yeah. it now. And yeah. in case of you, if, if you live under a rock and you don't know, um, he had made some really bad decisions to change retail, getting rid of people, less service, trying to cut payroll and the experience, which is the whole opposite of what Apple retail stands for. Exactly. The stores are crowded as it is. The stores are, are impacted as it is. You don't cut back on service. You don't cut back on humans. You add them. Mm-hmm. It would be like... Imagine you're in charge of Doctor Who and you hired Ben Affleck to be the next doctor. It just wouldn't make sense, right? It would just be ridiculous. It would just be wrong. Yeah. It would just be wrong. So, wow. Um, some crazy changes at Apple. Let's, so, let's get, let's, uh, so John Browett is a pretty easy one to talk about. We both agree, obviously, fully someone that didn't belong to be there and you know, kind of sh- should be gone. It'll probably be better for the retail group. I mean, either way, the retail group's going to be fine because Apple products sell themselves. Sure. But, but Scott Forstall, that's a shock one. I, I'm definitely surprised by this one. Are you? Yeah, yeah I, I really am. It seemed that he had a very strong place in the company and you know, was planning to be there forever as far as anyone knew Um, a lot of rumors a lot of rumors even when steve jobs was passing was that he might be the replacement and that you know he he wanted to be the replacement and there were a lot of rumors around that yeah and and you know the way he carried himself the way the way he did things it seemed like that was a guy who wants to be ceo of apple at some point yes carried himself very executive like Mm -hmm. more than engineering boss like right right absolutely Business-like. And now he's out. Yeah. So, uh, big, big changes that he's out. So, the short version of everything is Johnny Ive is taking over the leadership of human interface teams in addition to industrial design. Mm -hmm. Eddie Q is taking over Siri and Maps, consolidating all online services under one unit. Craig Federighi is now going to lead both iOS and OS X. And Bob Mansfield will lead a new technologies group focused on innovation in wireless technology and semiconductors. And actually, the crazy thing about Scott Forstall, he's not leaving right away. He'll be here for a year, and then he's going to serve. Oh, no, he'll only serve for the advisor until his departure. So after the departure, I guess he won't be an advisor anymore. Right, sure. So basically what that means is, is that he's helping them transition until they get rid of them. Oh, sure, right, yeah. Yeah, and he's getting another six months to a year of stock options or whatever. So it yeah. probably works out. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't want to say no to that deal. Yeah, right. It's like, well, 
you know, a so few million the, more dollars couldn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Because what's he going to do? Just like be, be a jerk and be like, no, I don't want millions of dollars. Yeah, Anyone yeah, would totally. be like, okay, yes, sir. Millions of dollars, please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, the believe it or not, the most interesting one to me, I'm serious, is the Bob Mansfield one, the technologies group. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's saying it'll combine all of the wireless teams across the company in one organization, fostering innovation in this area at a higher level, and it will include the semiconductor teams who have ambitious plans. So I'm sure you've read some of the stuff about Samsung and now, obviously, the parts from Samsung, not their devices, but their actual semis. Um, There's going to be a lot of rough roads ahead for Apple if they rely on other part distributors, both from a potentially enemy type situation, right? Where Mm -hmm. Samsung doesn't like Apple, so they maybe hold back parts or don't give them favorable costs or whatever. Right. To the fact that, you know, they might not even be able to keep up with supply and demand, right? Like, Apple knows what their supply and demand is, and I'm sure there's a lot of intelligence that they don't share with them. Share, yeah. Because then it goes to the parent company to make Samsung devices. So, interestingly enough, I think Apple is going to and wants to control the semi... I mean, it's pretty clear with this Bob Mansfield group. And this wireless team, this semiconductor team, all this technology team is, I think, really going to accelerate Apple's development into much more than just the A5, A6, and so on. Mm -hmm. Well, it's clear that Apple wants to control uh, everything and not not have to rely on anybody for anything ever would be Apple's dream come true. And I think they also think they can invent and develop better stuff than anybody else, too, so... Oh, absolutely. And as much as people would say it's monopolistic or controlling, I don't know. Like, I think overall it will be better that they're controlling it because they can control the quality, they control the feature set. They don't have to rely on a part and wait for someone else to make it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. It's the true ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that one's interesting to me. Uh, what, so what, let's, let's get right into the, one, the thing that probably everyone's discussing the most. I find the Bout Mansfield one the most interesting, but of course I would say the most controversial is... Uh, the departure of, oh my God, I just, I you see, I've already, I've already lost him out of my brain share. Uh, <laughs> it's what's like his name? Scott Forstall. Yeah, that's it. No, wiped it was away crazy. From all the photographs. It was totally <laughs> nuts. I couldn't remember his name, but maybe, maybe that's telling. So yeah, the whole Scott Forstall departure. What do you think about that? Uh, uh, about the Forstall departure? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, oddly, the first thing that pops into my mind is to look at this from a design perspective. In some ways, you know, there's been the, the Johnny Ive as, as Dieter Ram's designer, right? And then Forstall as master of skewomorph. And it seems like the, skew, the skewomorph's lost. Now, that's probably kind of a silly and oversimplistic way of looking at this. And I doubt Tim Cook really necessarily was looking at it that way himself. But part of me wonders if we're going to start seeing very different user interfaces from Apple as a result of this. So Johnny Ive has been in charge of hardware, obviously not software. But can can you imagine Johnny Ive in charge of iOS and allowing the UI for Game Center to be as it is? <laughs> Definitely. That, that 100% new. Right. So, you know, but I could see Forstall saying, hey, this is great. Great work, guys. This is beautiful. So the person in charge, I think, does... You know, he says yes and no to different things. All right, I see what you mean there. I see what you mean there in the sense of there definitely was a gaudiness of design under Forstall where there's no way Ive would ever be gaudy. Exactly. 100% agreed. My point was just that in hardware, I guess you could bolt on really random weird-looking things, but 
it doesn't necessarily mean that when you design software, you still won't give it some kind of garnishments that you didn't give hardware because you kind of have the ability to do it cheaply, so to speak. Hmm. I, we'll I see, agree. We'll see, I, I agree with what you exactly what you said. That would never have happened under under Johnny Ives' eye. No way. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and and you know, and I I don't think Johnny would be against say, you know, textures or shadows or anything things that legitimately you know help user interfaces to to work better and look look good, but you know, shit like Game Center, holy fucking cow, yeah. Yeah, no I, I I just look at that every time, and I'm like, did they like watch an episode of Mad Men and say, hey, let's make an app? <laughs> yeah. I I I don't. I mean. It's 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 game center. It's not like you know uh, drinking card table. I don't know. It's just weird, right? I expect to see like little dogs playing poker. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So let's see. Um, so uh, this is going to be big changes. Obviously, I mean, any way you slice it, whether it was in the pipeline or not, this this is big changes. This is big changes for WWDC. This is big changes for future development. Big changes for maps and Siri. There's big changes for us, right? Obviously, as developers. Mm-hmm. So, what, what what's your take overall? So, all right, we we we're saying the design will be better under Ive over Forstall. Hopefully, I agree. Yeah, we hope so. What yeah. what, do you, what other changes? I mean, for me, I think it's going to all lead to better changes because clearly they've heard problems loud and clear. Who knows? Maybe a lot of this stuff is even related to problems with Xcode. Hmm. Interesting. Developer fallout I- of you know things like feedback on the app store and stuff i mean surely it's speculation but developers cry loud and clear for certain things and mm-hmm. it's obviously wasn't changing over the existing management so maybe maybe there's a correlation well so was xcode under forstall um i don't think directly actually i wonder if it's under federighi <laughs> yeah i'm thinking it probably is yeah and and frankly you know the switch from three to four was really 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 big that was a gigantic change. Yeah, it was. It was, but and it and it it's taken a while for four to become, you know, pretty good. But I think they're getting there. It was. So the the thing though, still with Xcode is, and if it is under Federighi, then I unfortunately just lost that one, which means it won't probably won't change. And it just seems that Xcode is a developer tool that we use to make the apps, and the developer tool that we use to make the apps have a lot of pro- has a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So you would think that would be a top priority of theirs to fix. Now, granted, it is a big project. It is a lot of work. But, you know, uh, you see a lot of other things getting improved quickly, and they're kind of more in Apple's benefit where, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. Like developers making better apps and having less crashing during their development of apps is kind of a top priority, I would think. Well, I, I think there are two things Apple might say. Number one is, does a better Xcode sell more devices? No, because you know that's what they do, right? They're they're a hardware company. Um, so, given that that's not true, it's not going to get the same kind of resources as some other things that do sell hardware. Right, but a decision uh, was but made. The other thing. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say a decision was made for Apple to make Xcode, right? Like they obviously made mm-hmm. it for a reason. They made it to have a tool right. for developers to make apps. So, surely it's got to help sell some devices, or they wouldn't have gone down that path to begin with. Sure. So then the second thing Apple might say is, have you been to the App Store? Have you seen how many apps there are? <laughs> Obviously, people are figuring out how to use Xcode. Yeah, it can't be that bad. Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, you know, are, are we up to, probably not up to a million yet, but geez, heading in that direction, right? That's a lot of apps. That's a lot of Xcode use. 
So yeah, yeah. yeah it I mean, can't it, be it, a complete nightmare. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, I'm a quality freak, and as I know you are too. But for me, I'm a quality freak in the sense where it's just like there's certain things that are low lying fruit for Apple, big complaint points that I think they could at least address in a way to say, we're on it, we care, or we're on it, but or. Uh, I mean, look, Apple's a secretive company, but it doesn't help that they don't communicate a lot, especially with developers when you file a bug and they're not helpful to get back to you on it. Or, you know, there's a problem with Xcode, and again, they're not helpful to get back to you on it. Oh, yeah, sure. I completely agree. Um, but so, you know, another big thing I think that Apple is seems to be not putting enough resources to, toward is uh, iCloud syncing. You know, it works for the key value storage, which is like the most basic level and that just syncs preferences or whatever. But for iCloud database syncing and and UI document syncing, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who are, you know, tops in this area and they all say, "Don't do it. Don't even try right now. Oh, yeah. Don't don't bother." And that's a bit stunning because iCloud's been out for a while and syncing is massively important, you know, if you want your apps to work with the same data on your Mac and your iPhone and your iPad, syncing has got to work. And yet Apple seems to be seems to be shortchanging it internally, which seems crazy, right? I mean, they get such a bad uh, such a bad reputation for their online services. Oh yeah, and, and te- you would think they would turn this around. I mean, this is huge of huge importance to developers. The thing with iCloud that's kind of funny, and I'm going to do a flip flop here, is I think iCloud works quite well. I actually have had a great experience with iCloud. And don't get me wrong, I know the problems that are there. And I know that, obviously, there's a lot of stuff to be fixed. But overall, it works really well. My, my events seem to sync. My contacts seem to sync. My bookmarks seem to sync. My iCloud tabs seem to sync. Like, it just seems to work for me. Are there problems? Sure, I've had a few occasional things. And, for example, I know in TweetBot, they have iCloud syncing. It doesn't work for me sometimes. And it's definitely an iCloud issue. But... Overall, considering the sheer amount of users they have using that thing, I'd say they've done an amazing job, especially for something that's less than three years old. Mm-hmm. And yet, though, there are a lot of developers who uh, who are just halted, who, who literally cannot ship their apps because iCloud syncing does not work well enough. That is and true. Syncing is a, is a key part. There are other developers that have gone down that road and says, you know what, we can't. But now we're in the situation of having to build our own our own backend, which is not a cheap thing at all to design and build and maintain and run sure um you know that that costs money iCloud syncing was supposed to work and it may maybe that it does work pretty darn well with apple's apps but um it needs to be not buggy and work for developers in order in order for developers to really be able to uh, adopt it and ship awesome apps that sync and it goes back well it goes back to what you were saying about the xcode thing you know will fixing iCloud sync make us more money Mm-hmm. And, and I will say this, um, iCloud for the services that will make Apple more money, syncing mail, syncing contacts, iMessages, all that stuff, right? Because that's mm-hmm. all iCloud. It works great, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's all I'm saying is I'm giving them massive props for getting the important heavy lifting down. Is it horrible that they've had this iCloud app syncing not working for this period of time? Absolutely. It's terrible. Um, it's an embarrassment, actually, because you shouldn't offer something that doesn't work. And then when developers go to you and say it doesn't work, basically like, uh, okay, we don't know, right? Because I'm sure you've heard that from your developer friends who are working on iCloud syncing stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, maybe I'm being a little too pragmatic here, but if, if we were going to do something that required iCloud syncing, 
you would probably want to, uh, I guess, until you really try it, you probably try it out and it works. I don't know. Like, I'm thinking, like, these problems existed, right? They're there. Mm-hmm. So if you get an app created that then doesn't work once the iCloud syncing is there, is it your problem for making the app knowing it didn't work at the time and hoping it would work? Or or is it Apple's fault? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to point blame. I'm just trying to say, like, you can tell if this stuff worked before you go down the road of making an app that has iCloud syncing, if it's a specific exclusive app for that. Sure. Well, imagine, though, your iCloud syncing has just been released. So we're back in the past a little bit. Sure. And, you know, we've got all these wonderful new APIs and you're like, hey, this is cool. And you talk to your, your people at Apple and they're like, yeah, definitely use this. It's ready to go. We're shipping it right now. It's there. Do it. And so you go down that road and, you know, it's still syncing. So, it, you know, it takes, you know, it takes a while to work on and has an expense. Um, but you do it. And then you find, however many months later, that it doesn't work. And now you've wasted, you know, a whole bunch of time in this and you're faced with some pretty pretty tough decisions. And yeah. I think at that point, hey, it wasn't your fault. You, you know, Apple was evangelizing this to you, you know, suggesting heavily that this cool thing was going to be great. And then now you actually can't ship your stuff because of this. And that really sucks. Now, if you were coming at this point fresh from this point, you already know that this stuff doesn't work and you shouldn't bother. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't start a new app today thinking, oh, you know, core data iCloud syncing is going to work because I know it won't. And I'd be an idiot if I even tried it. That's but true. That's true. Still, yeah, it's put put a number of people in, into tough positions. Well, it is. And I wonder, I don't know. It's just interesting in the situation that they took the person who was basically in charge of iOS, which is, you know, what? really, I won't say what saved the company, but blew the company into the stratosphere, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically just got rid of him. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Why did they get rid of him? What could, I mean, all right, everyone knows Scott's a jerk, but he's not the first jerk to work at Apple. No, that's true, but also maybe, I don't know. I mean, it's all speculation. I guess if I had a guess, if I had a guess, he's either going to go start another company like he had an idea to do something and got shot down. Okay. Maybe he had an idea for a new product. These are, all right, so I have, I have two ideas of what could, it could be. One is something completely far-fetched, but let's throw it out there. He's going to start right. his own company. And he was hoping to do some product at Apple, maybe get promoted further. Although, how do you get really get promoted above senior vice president of iOS software, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But anyway, and either Tim Cook and, and company didn't want to do it or who knows, whatever. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know, but I, I, I'm thinking he'll probably start something on his own. He probably had some idea for something. You know, I was reading Twitter and actually uh, Craig Hockenberry, <laughs> he was saying he actually hopes that he joins the app ecosystem in some capacity because he has high level contacts that would listen to the problems we encounter. I mean, amen. <laughs> amen. Yeah, right? No kidding. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, if Apple only had to eat their own dog food, look at sandboxing, right? We're told- I bet Forstall's going to work at Black Pixel. <laughs> That's already been thrown out there. <laughs> hey, why not, right? Yeah, right, yeah. But what's funny is it's like the sandboxing thing. Sorry to digress, but I have to because I'm bitter. Mm-hmm. They, they don't sandbox their own apps, but they tell us we have to sandbox ours. Sure, And yeah. the thing is this. God knows that I love to actually help Apple and, and deal with the BS. And when they say do this and I know it's wrong, it's like, all right, well, you know, they are helping us and featuring us or they're good to us. And they are, I mean, Apple, Apple Mm -hmm. is is definitely a good relationship for us. 
Yeah, uh, Apple can be an awesome partner. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And mm -hmm. from my point of view, there there's things, certain things that we that, that that we do that we just bite our tongue and say, okay, it's for it's that's just how it goes, right? You know, it's like mm -hmm. it's like you're married. You know how that goes, right? Yeah. Sometimes just do things. Yep. But the. The sandboxing thing, I'm sorry, I just, I, I've, I've, I've said it to my friends at Apple and I'll say it again, it's really just not right. You can't say, hey, do this and this is for security and, you know, if we allow this exception or whatever, it'll, it'll let something else in when all of your own apps are not sandboxed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, if it's not right where your apps can't be sandboxed because there's not all of the right technology to do it, then you can't enforce it on everyone else. If, mm -hmm. if their argument is, well, we need to get everyone else done because, look, we have 700,000 apps, right? And mm -hmm. we can't wait till we're done till everyone else is done. Okay, that's semi-logical. I can, I can buy that, right? What are they going to do? Do wait for theirs and then do everyone's? But on the other hand, okay, everyone's done. Sandboxing mm -hmm. deadlines out there, right? There are grandfathered apps, that as long as you're only doing bug fixes, you're allowed to stay unsandboxed. Okay, so that's reasonable. Sure. At least they're not being completely hypocritical. But I got on this sandbox sandbox because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just it, like that's one thing for me that just is a is speaking of the topic of you know Scott Forstall leading his own dog food. That just Apple really has to have more compassion on certain things, especially when it's right in front of their face as the same problem that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm, sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, the, uh, so, so the first thing was that he's going to start his own company. The second thing is, is that I wonder if Scott Forstall just came in and demanded something, mm -hmm. you know, Oh, look, we're up again or, Oh, this or, Oh, that, or look at the amount of sales or iPhone five came out. iOS six came out. Huge numbers, huge numbers. I want this. Mm -hmm. And Tim was like, Nope. Nope. See ya. So I wonder if he's starting his own company, why would he stay at Apple till next year? Why not just like you know, be gone right now. Because if you're starting your own company, you don't want to waste any time. Because maybe he's starting his own company on the side and they're, they want him to do a transition thing. Because let's, let's face it, he knows a lot of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Right? He really does. It, usually you say, you know, a, a employee, everyone's replaceable. He's not really replaceable immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, sure, you could get rid of him and figure it out, but he has a lot of knowledge, right? He knows where the sure. keys to the castle are. So they probably realized, man, if he just leaves today, we're just, how are we going to make sense of everything? Mm -hmm. You know, it'll take months, right? It would probably, to get everyone on his team and every little bit of knowledge in his brain, it would probably take six months to do, and then they would probably miss things. That makes sense. So he doesn't literally have to, like, go into Apple every day. No, I'm sure what advising means is, hey, you're on call. You're going to help us out. We're telling everyone yeah. you're an advisor so they don't think that you quit or we fired you. Mm -hmm. And everyone looks good and you get some extra stock options. So another possibility is that, you know, Scott has looked around and, and realized, you know, uh, he wants to be CEO and realized, hey, Tim's doing a great job and it doesn't look like I'm going to be CEO any anytime soon. And and yeah, so then is starting his own company. Yeah, maybe. I could believe that, yeah. I mean... That's just, you know, pragmatic, sensible, hey, I want to be the top dog and if I can't be here... You know, I, I can reign in hell instead. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll go to Microsoft. I wonder if it's one of those kind of things, too. <laughs> what if it's one of those kind of things, like Samsung or Microsoft made him an offer he couldn't refuse? Jeez, what the, I mean, surely Scott has done quite well for himself already. What the hell kind of offer could there be? CEO. 
Oh man. Actually, I'm no, going to call it now. I'm going to call it now. Someone Scott was asking Forstall me. Scott Forstall is CEO of Microsoft. Someone was asking me. I'm going to say, I'm going to call it now. Hopefully my prediction's right. I'm going to say, what if he goes to Microsoft and becomes CEO? <laughs> that, that would be insane. I mean, Microsoft is such a different beast. If Microsoft wanted to just like make a great phone or something, I could see it. But do you see Forstall being the CEO of the company that makes SharePoint and Microsoft Word? Sure, why not? He's CEO. I mean, he, he's CEO, right? And then, and then he yeah, gets to say, but, "Hey, wow. I'm CEO of a competitor to Apple. I'll show you." Yeah, except Microsoft is barely. I wonder a if there's a non-compete. I mean, they're, they're an enterprise. Thing. I wonder if there's a non-compete thing in his. Um, yeah, I wonder if there's a non-compete thing in his uh, agreement that you know he can't just. Oh, but no, because he has to be able to get a job somewhere, right? Sure, and I think wasn't that non-compete crap. Uh, shown to be unconstitutional or something just in the state of California. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's, that can't be an issue. So, um, another interesting thing is, um, you know, we'll change the topic a little bit because we were also said we were going to talk about letterpress today from Lauren. Um, someone was saying that the firings were, uh, had to come from letterpress and the fact that the, uh, game center wouldn't work. <laughs> so heads rolled. Yep. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, but wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that be Eddie Q's thing? That's true. Yeah. Well, he's staying, so I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, so yeah. So did you also, did you go through that press release? Like, like did you read it? Yeah, obviously read it. Um, yeah. Did you see the part about iCloud? Hmm. I'm looking for it. I don't recall. It was, it was when they were talking about Eddie Q, they were saying uh, overseen major successes such as the iTunes Store, App Store, iBook Store, and iCloud. So uh, apparently iCloud yeah. is a major success. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, for what it does, I think it, okay, let's it go here. does seem to let's do go a here. job. It for just a, doesn't for all the developers. For a three-year-old service, less than three years old, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, less than two years? I think so. I got to know now. Hold on. I got I to gotta, I gotta find this. I got it. It came out in 2011. So wow, it's it's a year old, right? right. Yeah. So for a one year old service, although we could argue it goes back to .dot mac and all that other stuff and mobile me, mm. but regardless, yeah. for a service that's only a few years old, that syncs well on the basic stuff, that's free, that that just works with everyone in terms of find my iPhone and find my friends and email and right iTunes match and all that stuff I mean sure they yeah. had their kinks mm-hmm. and everything but right now where we're sitting in about a year or two they got all this stuff working relatively good for hundreds of millions of users that's pretty impressive yeah it sure is and again yeah. it's a free service right I mean sure it's subsidized mm-hmm. but it's free mm-hmm. yep yeah all right. yeah and, th- and that is good but it goes to like the iCloud you know, thing if is you hard. care about Xcode you also care about things like developer APIs working so. Yeah, yeah, and I will go back to it. And I, I know I said earlier about you know developers should have been more pragmatic for developing. I, I, I it's inexcusable that Apple hasn't got it working yet. But yeah. I think probably like you said earlier to my thing about Xcode, I don't think the syncing is a top priority to them because it doesn't immediately make them more money or make them lose money by not having iCloud syncing working. Mm-hmm. How do you like that? I gave you back a taste of your own medicine. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you can make the argument though if you have apps that sync flawlessly on multiple devices it makes people more likely to buy multiple devices ah, that's right. true you can make the argument that if xcode didn't have so many errors developers would be happier and make more apps yeah but developers will never be happier no developers are just grouchy yeah they are jerks developers are grouchy man I was thinking yeah, about they this. really are well it's because they use xcode all day 
I, <laughs> is that a circular argument? That was great. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, much love. Much love. All right. So let's see. We're, I mean, we're, we're doing well on time. We still have some time. What other topics? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm kind of in shock over this announcement. Yeah, me too. It, it's complete blindside, right? Yeah. 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 yeah completely blindsided. Um, wow. So what does it mean? I don't know. Like, I wonder who they're going to hire as the VP of retail. Yeah, good question. They obviously already got the replacement for Scott Forstall. It's Craig Federighi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what? Do yeah, you, what, Craig's just doing more. What do you think about Craig? Craig? Do, do you think it's his hair? Yeah, I think so. It's yeah. power of the hair, right? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It, does anyone? Where did he come from before Apple? According to his uh, press info, his bio, he um he did work at Next. Okay. And um he also spent a decade at Ariba, where he was the CTO. Oh, all right. Do we know what Ariba is? Ariba. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ariba is. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you ready for this? Uh huh. You ready for this? So it's a software and information technology services company that was acquired by German software maker SAP uh-huh. in uh, 2012. And basically, okay. it they had the idea. The company was founded on the idea to use the internet to ena- internet to enable companies to facilitate and improve the procurement process. So mm, that had to be a lot of fun. Oh, you know, so this thing, I'd actually heard about this Ariba thing. Um, I can't say how I heard about it, but what I can say is basically they create invoices for companies. Okay. That's it. Hmm. That's it. They basically, it's a procurement thing. It's like you, 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 they're the ones that invoice you and you know how you have to normally go through all this special stuff to be like, oh, a PO is only an acceptable thing and all this stuff and whatever. Right. Yeah. So basically all they do is um, uh, it's, it's, it's. It, it replaced paper-based, labor-intensive, inefficient processes of procurement with electronic. I just, anyway, I, I, I can't go on. <laughs> what a boring task, but probably a, a lot of money in that task. Well, right? a, a ton of money. And then to think yeah. he went all the way from there to being the head of iOS and Mac. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I don't know the guy, so I'm sure he's probably a really nice guy. But, um, you know, he's in charge now of Mac and iOS. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's a pretty lofty goal. All hell, Craig Federighi. <laughs> I guess we can, uh, at least now we know who to talk to when uh, something breaks on either device. Yep. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I, uh, my, my iPhone has been resetting sporadically randomly lately. Just, yeah, mine too. Yeah, just resets. So we're going to go with a bug in iOS 6, right? Yeah, I'm still on iPhone 4. And in fact. It started happening to me, I don't know, a week or so ago. It's I- only started with iOS 6 it. though, right? Yep. Okay, so if it started with iOS 6... Then it must be iOS six. Yeah, because you didn't yeah, have the, you so. you had that iPhone four for a while and it never did it, right? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, all right. That makes me feel better that almost it's not two hard years. Work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe with Forstall's departure was because of that. That's true. Maybe this is Forstall being randomly reset. Maybe he has a way to send something out, like you know, with uh, Find My Mac, you can reset devices. Ah, he turned on some like and he's yeah. He's targeting people named Simmons. Yes. Yeah. That's dude. Why would he do that? I don't know. Can we find That's out? Crazy. We need to find out. Yeah. But I don't know. I just feel like, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, this, is, this is a big change. This is definitely going to be a big, big, big change at Apple. Um, kind of excited about it, actually. Yeah, I am too. You know? I, I'm, I'm oddly really excited to see Johnny Ive in charge of software human interface. Me too. I, you know, if that could just be really, really wonderful. 
I pray he does one of those promo videos for like iOS 7 and, and uh, OS 10 um, Cougar Lion or whatever's next. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So what else? We're not going to talk about Letterpress, or are we? Well, let's talk about Letterpress for a few seconds. I, I, All right. Let's talk about the games that I played you in. Yeah. By the way, I got... Did you um, beat me every game? I, I think I did. Did I? Yeah, okay. I, I lose almost every game I play. So, yeah, you probably did. So, so I was playing John Gruber in a few games. We were playing yeah. in the beta because uh, I had I actually had the beta before it went out. On, right. On. See, I played a whole bunch of people who had, like, all this practice. That's just not fair. Yeah, no, I it's not fair at all. Beta, oh, we were, so. we were all warmed up and ready to get at you. Yeah. So I played John, and the letter... You know, sometimes in a word game, obviously, it's the fall of the draw of how the letters are, but sometimes you just see a word, right? It just happens to be the right way. Mm -hmm. So I played this word, and it was a ridiculous word, okay? It was plain clothesman. <laughs> nice. And nice. apparently... I don't know. I, I beat him. Anyway, I ended up beating him that game, which he said I'm one of a f rare few people to beat him. But mm -hmm. now I feel like he kind of, uh, like, like I don't know if he's bitter about it or whatever, but I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I, I doubt that John's bitter over losing a game of letterpress. Yeah, I know. But I, 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 he berated me quite a lot about it. <laughs> well, that's, that's, you know, that's just John. I got berated by John yeah, Gruber. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think uh, I think you should take it as pure affection. Wow. Okay. Done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. See what other kind yeah. of games, other kind of words I can uh, get with him. Yeah. Cox. Yeah. You need you need a rematch, and you got to clean his clock. <laughs> I need to use a, a craziest word, a crazy word like. Uh, let's see what's a good one. Uh, sextillion. That sounds nice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, bullfinches. Bullfinches. The sextillion. Would that take a plural? Probably should. Right. Sextillions. So just remember that. Yeah, if I ha but I need two S's for that. Yeah, well, if you have two S's, make sure. Or else, you know, John will Samsung you. That's true. Yeah. John, John actually apparently his record's really good because he was telling me uh, it was basically one of like three people to beat him. Cool. So I guess I do feel kind of honored. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It just was weird because it's like, I, I, you know, I guess sure a plain clothesman is not a common word, but it's not like I played some word like, you know what I mean? It's not like... Right, you know. sure. It's in the letterpress dictionary, so it counts. Exactly. Yeah. There's some weird that, words. I actually... You know what? This this game... I used to... So I was an English minor in college. I should tell you that. So that's why I have pretty good... I definitely have good vocabulary. We Simmonses always study English. Correct. It's the double M in the Simmonses that make us mm -hmm. flummoxed. Did you like that? <laughs> Did you like that? But no, like, the, the thing is, like, there's... I, this is actually a good game for me to kind of freshen up on my vocabulary because I was always very passionate about vocabulary in college. I just, you know, mm -hmm. so many words to learn. Why not learn them all, right? You can just always... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so we were going to talk about letterpress, and somehow I just decided to talk about John Gruber berating me. So what, what, uh, what, what's your take on letterpress? Well, I, think, I think the audience enjoys the occasional personal story, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So sure. I was at Coco Conference in Portland. Oh, yeah. How'd that uh, go? Just a few days ago. Went really well. At, at one point, though, there was, uh, I think it was a panel. They asked the audience, who's playing letterpress? And... The room had, I don't know, 100 people in it, maybe more. And it looked like about 90% of the hands were up. Wow. Yep. That was just cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Lauren rocked it out. This actually, this app, um, during the development of it, he and I talked a lot. This this wasn't even like a huge project for him. It's almost like a, it was a fun thing, which I think mm -hmm. is why it's so good, right? You've heard me at my conference, at conferences always saying, do what you love. Yeah, right. Don't do stuff for money. Don't look to be rich. Don't look to be successful. Don't look to win. Just do good stuff that you love. And 
you know, that, that really was what this project was. Lauren did something fun that he wanted to do. He also had no risks really involved because, you know, you just come back from Twitter and the Tweety mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, there wasn't really like a sure he had to come back and prove himself. It was almost like a sophomore kind of thing. But on the other hand, he didn't have a lot of pressure of, oh, my God, I have to come out with something huge or whatever. Right. Sure. So yeah. I think the reason why we all love it so much and like during the beta, I told him I loved it um, was it's just fun. It's just a simple, fun word game. There's no gimmicks. There's no it just, you know, you, you, you just have to outsmart the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it and it it's just complicated enough to keep me interesting, interested. You know, I keep my thoughts about strategy keep getting just a little bit more sophisticated over time. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, just settling into one single pattern. Now, I don't know if that'll last forever, but it doesn't need to either. That's true. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the point about doing what you love, though, you know, obviously you probably want to make a lot of money and do very well. But your chances are multiplied when you do something you love. That's exactly true. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you don't, I mean, sure, we all think about wanting to make money or being successful or paying our bills because we have to be able to make the next thing, right? Yep. But I, I think it's pretty clear you can look at letterpress and he didn't sit there and say, hmm, how do I make a game that gets successful? Right. He wouldn't come up with that. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. At least I don't think there is a way. But I, I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see, anything, any other conferences coming up for you or anything? You want to talk about Cocoa Conference a little bit or how that went or I don't know, anything else like that? Yeah, that, that went pretty well. So it was in Portland, um, and I got to take the train down from Seattle. T- taking the train is wonderful because it's as if the, uh, the years since 9-11 never happened. You know, there's no TSA. There's no, you know, getting to the train station an hour and a half in advance. And I didn't have to, you know, um, put all of my liquids into baggies or whatever. I, you know, I yeah. never had to take my shoes off. Nothing. You just go there, you get a seat assignment, it takes like one second. Uh, they scan your ticket with an iPhone, of course. And you just hop on and sit down. And uh, I got up and spent most time in the bistro car because there were other people I knew, you know, uh, on the same train. And it's just so mellow and so nice. I, I'm now, I'm an addict. I don't want to go anywhere if I can't take the train. It's just so comfortable and convenient. Yeah, yeah, it really is nice. And I don't have, you know, the terror of flying in the air, which is kind of useful. My my last trip coming into Seattle, the turbulence was among the worst I've ever experienced. And um, I haven't sworn off flying, not really, but I was tempted to because, man, that's just not how I want to die. You know, what's interesting about flying, um, you know, I do a lot of business travel. I fly quite a bit. Mm-hmm. There's a thing called global entry. Have you heard about it? No. So if you fly a lot, you pay 100 bucks. You get into this registered database and you get this card. It's called Global Entry. And they don't, it's not really invasive. They just ask you some questions. They make sure you're who you say you are. They take some fingerprints and you're done. Mm-hmm. It actually, was, I, I was shocked at how easy it was. I figured they were going to ask for blood samples and eye retina scans and all that stuff. <laughs> so what this thing allows you to do is when you're traveling in internationally and you come to the border, you know, we have to wait on like a really long line. Mm-hmm. You just go right to this kiosk. You put your thing in. You put your fingerprints down. You just say, no, I'm not bringing anything in and you're done. Like literally 30 seconds and you're through. But what the TSA is doing is actually, and they've done it in a bunch of airports, I've run into it twice now, is you have a line called pre-check. If you qualify for pre-check, just all you need is that global entry thing. You go to this Hmm. line, you don't have to take anything off, you just put your bags through, you walk through the metal detector, not the radial scanner thing, whatever, Hmm. but you don't have to take your shoes or anything off. Hmm. You just go through the metal detector. And I literally got through, it was like not even going, I mean, it was like five seconds. 
Wow. It, it cool. was, I was like, please do this everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I'd spend a hundred bucks or whatever. To yeah, it's twenty bucks a year. It's actually twenty bucks a year, so that's cheap. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, hopefully, everyone doesn't do it because if everyone does it, then that backs up the system, right? Right. Of course. Like first class is expensive, not because it needs to be that expensive. It's because if they didn't make it that expensive, everyone would be in it. Mm-hmm. They yeah. would just sell out in a day, right? They have to keep yep. it exclusive. But yeah, it's it's just for. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hate travel for the security stuff, but that's nice. Yeah, so you basically true. got on the train, hung out, and had a good time. Yeah, it was yeah, it was super. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, and so from Seattle, it's reasonable to go to Portland or uh, Vancouver, BC, on the train. That's not a ton of destinations, but both those are lovely cities. No, that's that good. Are, uh, awesome to visit. So yeah, 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 that's totally good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, can't believe we're at episode five. Pretty incredible. Yeah, five episodes. Wow, isn't that nuts? Right, right. We're you know. This is like a real thing that we do. Yeah. Like once we're at, well, I think, I mean, five, I shouldn't say, I should probably say five, but I think once we get to, uh, once we get to episode 10, then it's like, this is, this is for real. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, uh, actually, digits, yep. actually, let me, while we were talking about, uh, you, you did uh, the talk show live from Coco Conf, I understand, or from, uh, I'm sorry, oh, Singleton, yeah, Singleton, Singleton, yeah. Singleton, mm-hmm. Singleton, Singleton. Yeah, only because Cable Sasser wasn't there, right? Yeah, that was that was great. Did we even talk about that? I don't think we talked about that. I feel like we talked about Singleton last episode, or were you going to Singleton? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I was on my way to Singleton. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So we talked about you yeah. going there, but then, yeah, so that was pretty cool. You got to uh, sit in with John Gruber. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm... I, uh... I don't remember all that well because I think I could have used another hour or two of sleep before doing that. But, uh, <laughs> still, I think it, it worked out all right. Yeah. That's good. No, you sounded great. You did a good interview. You were comfortable. Oh, and, and, you know, cool. Promoting, uh, promoting the Simmonses everywhere. Yes, yes. Simmons is coming soon to a podcast near exactly. you. Exactly. We're taking over. Um, that's, our, that's our goal is to actually just infiltrate every podcast. Oh, you know, I was, I don't know if it's come out yet. I also appeared on the Iterate podcast. Oh. Uh, let me check. I can launch iTunes, do a refresh, and see if it's actually come out yet. Wow. I forgot about that. I did that last week. Nice, dude. Yeah. Those guys are great, you know. Um, yeah, they are great. I sat in with them a few, uh, about a month or so ago, and they're mm-hmm. really fun guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Doesn't look like it's out yet. Or maybe I just missed it. I don't know. But yeah, find me on Iterate. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, and congrats to uh, Renee Ritchie for getting the, uh, I think he's a Mac Break Weekly regular now. Which is oh, wow. Awesome and cool. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Congrats, Renee. That is dope-tastic. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. He's one of the hardest working guys in show business, that Renee. Oh, yeah. He's, yep. he's, he, he's got it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, episode five has come to an end. Uh, we will be back uh, in a couple weeks or whenever. Uh, sorry about the, the little bit of delay in this one. Uh, Brent's schedule and my schedule got a little bit wonky, but uh, hey, the show's free, so stop complaining. Yeah, shut up. Yeah. or it's Shut up or we'll stop making shows. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back uh, when we'll be back. Um, thanks for listening, as always, and supporting us. Uh, check us out, of course, on our glass board. Uh, the code is Simmons. And, um, That's two you... M's, S-I-M-M-O-N-S. That is correct. And I'll let you exit it, Brent. Go for it. Okay, everybody. Great talking to you. Bye. <laughs>
Kathy Wu's lip post everywhere, from Zanzibar to Barclay Square. But Patty's only seen the sights a girl can see from Brooklyn Heights. What a crazy pair! But they're cousins, identical cousins all the way. One pair of matching bookends, different as night and day. Where Kathy adores a minuet, the ballet roots, and crepe Suzette. Our Patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet, still they're cousins, identical cousins, and you find. They laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. You can 